What's up, my fellow monkeys? This is show number 14 of the Arm Date Podcast. I'm your host, Tony. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since I've been able to put out a show. We've had a lot of stuff going on, had some uh, medical stuff with our daughter, and uh, that's all been resolved and all has worked out real well, but we needed to take some time off to get that kind of taken care of. And we've had a lot of other stuff going on as well. Uh, on our Now let's talk a little bit about um, our last show. And that was, um, we did a couple reviews, uh, had some reviews from uh, Rich and from Alex on some knives. Uh, Alex had done the uh, Jim Wagner Reality Base Blade and uh, the Recurve model. And Rich had talked about the uh, RC5. And both real good reviews, and I appreciate the fact that they did that. But one, and during Rich's review, one of the things that he talked about was he said that when he was in the Marine Corps, he had actually had a K-bar and it broke. And so that, what he wanted was something that was going to be tougher than that. And eventually that basically led him, uh, through his research and a bunch of other stuff, down to getting the, uh, the that RC-5. And uh, But I had wondered... In his review, he didn't say how he had broken it, so I had wondered and had asked him, you know, if you have time and you can, go ahead and send us in a review on what happened uh, with your K-Bar, because those have a reputation uh, for being, you know, a pretty tough blade and everything. So I wanted to know, well, how did he actually break it? So what he did, he was kind enough, and uh, he sent in another review for us, or a little bit of a review, I guess you could say, on, uh, on what happened and the story of what happened to it when he broke the blade. And I'll drop that into the show here in a little bit. Uh, but first, since we're talking a little bit about contacting and all that stuff, let's go ahead and get some of that contact info out of the way. There are there are a couple of ways you can contact me. You can either send me an email at thearmedape at gmail.com or you can uh, go ahead and give me a voicemail, drop me a voicemail at area code 206 339-3266. Uh, also, if you wanted to do an MP3, you can do that and just go ahead and send that to the uh, email address, which is thearmedape at gmail.com. Again, that's all going to be one word. Um, got some a little bit of emails here and there. Not too much over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I was looking at kind of what the numbers are for how many listeners we have, and we're right under... Uh, you know, if you look at the downloads for each um, individual, uh, you know, podcast or each individual show, I guess I should say, probably uh, I think I've peaked, you know, around like 400. But if you look at sort of what the core, kind of what the core audiences is as far as you know who downloaded it with downloads it, excuse me, within that first week or so, which is kind of a good indicator because people kind of trickle in and out all the time and stuff, but. I think we're probably right at around, oh, about 300, right at 300, a little bit less, maybe about like, I think the numbers on the last thing were something like 290, something like that in the first week that we had. So we're, we're pretty much right at that 300 mark. So, and that's a good number. I'd like to have more, but if that's all it ever is, if, you know, if there's only about 300 of us that ever listen or that are ever, um, you know, doing the show and, and downloading and listening to the show and participating in things like that. I think, though, for our numbers, we've got like a lot of participation. And that's something that I really wanted to have happen with this show is that we'll be able to 
uh, you know, do reviews or tell stories or share things that are happening so we can get like a real sense of community. Uh, and again, you know, things that doesn't have to be, um, uh, you know, outdoor stuff or a gun, you know, gun stuff. As you guys know, I'm a big Second Amendment guy. And, uh, you know, that's another reason why I was, I've been kind of busy is the last, uh, oh, week or so, there's been a lot of activity and some um, really good pro-gun legislation here in Arizona. So uh, I've been busy contacting uh, senators and house reps and writing letters and doing all this stuff. And when I do that, I don't just contact the guy that's in my district. I contact everybody. Uh, so, and it's funny, you know, you uh, when you look at some of the the actual numbers that our representatives get, you would think, man, they just they must be just getting you know, tens of thousands of emails and things like that. Well, they don't. They A lot of times it can be as little as maybe six, 700 emails. Um, on some of the stuff, we actually had some real good turnout, I think. Uh, some of the uh, literature I got from uh, one of the organizations I belong to, which is Arizona Citizen, Citizens Defense League, um, they had said something like... Uh, when we when some of the initial email campaigns and letter campaigns were kind of going to get some of our pro legislation getting through, there was something like three four thousand emails and letters came into the representatives, and that was like a you know like an end of the world tidal wave, like a huge tsunami of of contact, and that's not that much really when you think about it. And like I said, usually probably if if they get if they hear from three, four hundred people, that is a lot for them. So if uh, if they get uh, contacted and and uh, and again, it doesn't have to be on necessarily gun stuff. It can be on other things that you're interested in. Um, there's been an assault recently on knife rights, and that's kind of taken a back seat. But that stuff is still going to be out there. Uh, you know, they're always looking to curtail and, and pull things back. And uh, there's lots of people out there who, let's say that you don't even own a gun. And all you have is a couple of, uh, uh, you know, like six-inch knives. There's lots of people out there who said, you know what, that six-inch blade, that's too big and you shouldn't have that. And what do you need that for? And that should be outlawed. Uh, so we always got to make sure that we're involved and, and that we keep things, um, keep current with stuff. And one thing that's nice about the Internet, there's a lot of bullshit out there. But there's a lot of really good information, and there's a lot of good organizations that you can uh, get in contact with, and, and you can. Uh, some of them you can join. Some of them, uh, you know, you you may just want to go on their website and read the stuff and, and get some information and get that side of the story. Then go on some other websites and or maybe the opposite view and and kind of make up your mind that way. Um, so you know, a lot of the organizations I belong to, like NRA and. Uh, Arizona uh, Citizens Defense League and and some of the other things like that, you know, they 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 have a clear agenda, and uh, that is, I support that agenda. You know, I, I'm all in favor of uh, gun rights and Second Amendment rights, but also in the bigger scheme of things, I'm in favor of of having a lot of personal freedoms and a lot of personal liberties. And unfortunately, we're seeing that a lot of that stuff is being taken away from us. Uh, whether you're for the health bill or 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 not for it, um, it, it doesn't really matter. What you should be alarmed at is is the way that it was railroaded through. It's such a gigantic, 
huge bloated thing that that uh, you can't you can't really decipher it. There's so many oddball things. Now I'm gonna I kind of believe that as a country we we have so much and we have so many resources that we should try and help our fellow citizens. So I believe that there should be some type of health care that should be available to everyone. But I don't think it should just be a free ride, and I don't think it should um, that that my family has to pay for 10 other families who could work if they wanted to and don't. So, I mean, I, I think that there needs to be... The thing that's going through now is just a huge monstrosity, and, and there's so many other problems that we've got with the healthcare system right now. Um, you know, a lot of times people say, man, we're at the mercy of the government if this thing goes through, and blah, 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 and we will be. But we're also, I mean, realistically, we're at the mercy of our own health insurance. I mean, I've got I've got some knee problems on my right knee that I need to have. Uh, I'm probably going to have to end up having surgery on it. But right now, I'm, I'm in a big battle with my insurance. I've been to a doctor, and they, they wanted to order an MRI test just because they, uh, they wanted to make sure kind of that uh, what they're seeing is what they think they're seeing there is what they're seeing. And x-rays and stuff won't show it. So I went to my regular doctor. He said, well, let's try and get you an MRI. Insurance denied it. They said no. So then I went to a, um, a specialist who that's all they do. They don't do anything but knee stuff. I went to that guy, and he said, well, I think what you've got, and, and from what your symptoms are, and for the level of discomfort and pain and stuff that you're in, you've probably got a torn meniscus disc, which is, uh, a lot of you guys will know what that stuff is, but but he says, the x-rays aren't going to show that. We need to have you do an MRI. So they sent the stuff. Now, again, this is this is all that they do. They sent the stuff off. It was denied again. So they they rewrote the thing and tried to resubmit. It was denied again. And basically what they're telling me is, look, you've... and then So I'm kind of fighting with the insurance company, and I'm probably going to have to go through a whole bunch of different hoops and different stuff like this. But, you know, it's, it's very frustrating, and I'm sure there's lots of other people out there that are going through the, through the same thing is... Basically, they're denying it because they say, and they didn't come out and really and say this a hundred. I mean, they didn't say this exactly, but what what they're saying is, no, you're not going to get this test, and it's not because of the money. The test actually costs under it's uh, like three hundred eighty dollars for the test. But what they're saying is, no, we're not going to do this because on our little flow chart, you haven't gone. You're going. You've gone to step A and step B, and now you're wanting to go down to step. E or F. Well, you have to go through, uh, you know, C, D, and and then you can get to these other places. But we're not going to do that. So what's what I'm probably going to have to do is go uh, again see a therapist, and I've got to I've got to get that stuff lined up, and then I'll go to that guy, and then that guy will say, well, this guy's injury isn't going to get better with therapy or exercise. It's just going to make it worse. And then they'll probably go ahead and do the MRI. But again, you know, somebody who I've never met, never spoken to, somebody who's off in some in some you know uh, tower somewhere, you know, goes down the little checklist of stuff that I supposed to am supposed to have have to have done before other things get approved. And if you don't meet that checklist, then you're screwed. You know, you don't get nothing.
and then they say, you know, oh, you could pay for it yourself. But now, my my uh, sister years ago used to basically work kind of in a we'll just call it like medical services. It wasn't the insurance type thing, but it she kind of that is what she dealt with a lot. And what she and I talked to her about it, and what she said, she says no. She said you you're basically just going to have to go through all the all the the hoops and all the uh, jump through all the hoops and dot all the t uh, excuse me dot all the i's and cross all the t's because what'll happen is if you raise too big of a stink they'll put patient is non-compliant on your on your uh, sounds like uh, on your like permanent record type thing I guess for lack of a better word but they'll put that in your file. And then later on, that can come back and kind of bite you in the ass a little bit if you needed something else and you and you really needed to fight for it. They may, you know, they may say, "Well, this guy isn't going to do anything." So her advice to me, and I think I'm going to end up taking it, of course. But uh, she's a smart lady, is and has dealt with this stuff. Is to just go ahead and I'll uh, I'll jump through the hoops. It's it's irritating to me and it's frustrating to me, and I you know it feels like you just want to say, "Look, just you know, give me the test." type thing and then she said that oh and i'll get back to she said well i said well why don't i just you know cut to the chase and i'll just pay for the damn thing and she's like no don't do that because they're telling you you need to do a b and c and what they'll do is they'll either they'll they'll uh deny you more readily thinking that you'll go ahead and pay for it or they'll put that you're non-compliant that you went outside of the prescribed medical plan so I mean, we're, you know, this is a long way of going around and saying that we're at the mercy of these insurance companies anyway. And that's where I think a lot of reform and stuff needs to happen. We need to get back to where, you know, you actually have a relationship with your doctor and that doctor knows you. And whether it's a thing of, uh, one of the things that I had thought was kind of a neat idea was that you sort of have your own, um, like a mini insurance plan with your doctor meaning that you your doctor has maybe you know five four or five hundred patients total and then that guy if he wants to accept more he can if he wants to accept less he can but then you pay that guy a fee and you can go in and you can see him at however much you want uh, and then you also have maybe a, another level of insurance that's a little bit higher i mean you know there's so many different things and there's so much reform that needs to be done but Basically, right now, um, the current system, we've got too many people in between us and our doctor, and we've got too many other people making treatment decisions that are then taken out of our hands. So anyway, uh, let's see, what was I, uh, after that long kind of rambling uh, diatribe there, what let's do is let's take a quick musical break. We'll kind of cleanse the palate there. And uh, when we get back, we'll I'll go ahead and drop in that um, story that we got from Rich. And uh, who knows, I'll jibber-jabber about some other stuff. All right, enjoy the song. Save me, Obama. Stimulate my life. Please improve my credit, my job, my wife Bail out my bar tab, subsidize my rent Isn't that the point of the government? Bills and banks in Baghdad are a bummer Please appoint a breast enhancement czar 
Tell GM I really need a Hummer and a new car. Save me Obama, fix my abs and hair, buy my Frappuccinos with Medicare, spank all the bankers, bring a lasting peace to the Yanks and Red Sox and the Middle East. Stop Shiites from settling fights the mob way. Find the jobs in Fiji and St. Croix. Purge the graft from hellholes like Zimbabwe and Illinois. Save me, Obama. Find a cure for gas. Leave your carbon footprint on OPEC's ass. Hug North Korea. Shoot hoops with Iran. Can we ask for everything? Yes, we can. Christian, Muslim, Jew, and Mormon All join hands and sing, give peace a chance Ending death and spam and global warming And menstrual cramps Save me, Obama, left and right agree This is now the United States of me And a two-state solution in Gaza, and a reintroduction of the dodo bird to its native habitat, and an end to hunger in sub-Saharan Africa, and a weekly six-figure allowance. All right, let's go ahead and get back into the show. Um, let's go ahead and play Rich's story about what happened when the K-bar broke on him. So I'll go ahead and drop that in now. So uh, this is Rich from Phoenix. This is a follow-up on the RAT RC5 review that I did. Um, there was a question at the end asking how I broke my K-Bar. Well, what, uh, what happened was um, I was in a uh, Marine Recon Platoon, and I was stuck in Tonga in the South Pacific on a training exercise. There was our eight-man team, and there were 70 regular Marines, and we were the aggressors. We were stuck on the main island in Tonga and they had us basically go out and hit the regular marines as they were doing their patrols and basically just try and wreak havoc well we had a lot of downtime in between our attacks and as stupid as it was I was using the k-bar as a throwing knife and it snapped when I threw it at a tree the one time so I'm uh I'm glad I found out that way that it wasn't a good solid knife and um, would not use it to rely on after that. So I never carried a K-Bar after that. Uh, the rat knife, I would say, would never break under any circumstances like that. The guarantee on it from talking to them was they want everybody to be 100% confident that they can use it for any way that they want in the field and that they will not have to worry about losing the money that they invested in knife. They want police, um, military, whoever that uses it to just be 100% confident that if it, it were to damage, even though it's very unlikely from just you know normal use or whatever you could possibly think to do with it, that it's covered. So anyway, that's what I did. That's the follow-up. Thanks. Bye. 
All right, thanks, Rich, for sending that in. I appreciate that. I was curious about uh, what had actually happened and how you had how the knife had broken. Now, let's talk a little bit about that story. Some people out there, I'm sure, would say when they hear that, well, yeah, he was throwing the knife and he wasn't using it like you're supposed to, and that's why it broke. And it, you know, it it's not designed to, you know, take the stress of that. Blah blah blah. Well, a lot of times when you're out in the woods. Um, if you're going to use, you you want your knife to be able to do a lot of different different things and handle a lot of different processes. And one of those things that you want it to be able to do is to process wood. A lot of the ways that you do that is you'll, uh, if you've got uh, a bunch of smaller pieces laying around, sometimes you want to baton through those. And when you're, for those of you guys that don't know what batoning is, basically you're taking your knife, you're setting it up on top of um, the piece of wood and you basically are splitting it down into smaller pieces. And the way that you do that is you use another stick and you hit the the, uh, the back spine of the knife and you drive that through the wood to help split it up. That is a lot of pressure and a lot of uh, force that's hitting the knife. Probably way more force than he would have generated throwing it at a tree even if he was throwing it as hard as he could. Um, so... To say, yeah, it broke because he wasn't using it the way it was designed to do. Um, I, like I said, I've got that Swamp Rat knife. I have friends that have um, some other, the bigger, thicker blades like that. And you can just you can just beat the crap out of them. And um, I've had, in fact, that Swamp Rat knife of mine, which is called the Chopweiler. I was processing some wood and the... The blade, as I was going through, kind of hit like a, a little bit of a knot section. And you could actually see the blade kind of flex in the wood. It was kind of getting bent a little bit. But then as I got through, it came right back to true. So, uh, and a lesser knife probably would have snapped eventually under the, you know, under the constant force of that batoning through the wood. So you need to have a good, reliable knife, something that can take some abuse, something that can... Um, uh, stand up and do kind of multiple things and we had talked about before on another show that knives are basically for for cutting but if you're taking a uh, one blade out there to be sort of your all-purpose blade you're going to want it to be able to if you need to to be able to chop with it a little bit and when I'm talking about chopping I'm not talking about chopping down 10 inch logs you're not going to do that out in the woods especially if you're if you're out there and you're in a little bit of a jam what you're going to do is you, you're going to want that knife to be able to process some of the smaller stuff. Uh, and if you've got a knife that's not up to that task and you're doing that and you break that uh, because you needed to have the wood to, to build a fire, uh, maybe most of the wood is wet and so you have to split it. You have to get it open. Uh, and if you, if you happen to break the one blade that you do have, you know, you can be in a world of hurt. And that's why it's good when you're looking at a, f a field knife or a good camp knife to have one that can take a lot of punishment um, and i think what i'll do on the next show is i um i'm gonna i'm gonna do a review on that swamp rat knife that i have and then i'll also talk about the mora uh, that i have which i really like and again basically two totally different knives uh, two knives that were designed with totally different purposes in mind, but both of them uh, have a lot of. Both of them have, I think, 
way more strong points than they do weak points. So uh, the sum of their strong points totally outweighs, in my opinion, the, the sum of their weak points, if you guys know what I mean. Uh, let's see, as far as upcoming shows, I'll give you a little bit of a teaser. I recently, uh, of course, have been looking for a coat, kind of a little bit more heavy-duty winter coat. Now, where I live down in the Phoenix area, surprise, surprise, it doesn't really get that hot or that cold for us. But in Arizona, you can drive a couple of hours and you can go in a, and you can find yourself in a totally different climate and a totally different environment. And I like to spend a lot of times up around the rim country, up, going up around in Flagstaff. You can go up to um, to Prescott, and you can go also. You can go over into the White Mountains, and and once you go up into those places, you're going way up in elevation. So you're you're dealing more with kind of like that tall pine forest, the Ponderosa pines, and things like that. Are what we have a lot of, especially once you get up around. No oh, 6,000 plus elevation, especially you really got to be around probably 6,500 and then around that 7,000 foot range. And you get in there and yes, when you get like the real tall pines and you can have, uh, well, a good example is we were in a little town called Greer and you can have it be uh, sunny and about 85 degrees one minute and then a couple hours later you can have a storm roll in and all of a sudden it drops down to like 40 and it's rainy and it's cloudy and overcast. And so uh, anyway, this is kind of a long way of saying that I wanted to get like a good coat that I that would keep me warm, but that I could take out into the woods. And what I ended up getting after doing some research and doing um, uh, looking at some reviews and, and uh, just ultimately what I had to do was just kind of take a little bit of a gamble with it. But I ended up getting... It's a Swedish Army parka, and it's called the M90, so M90. And I think and I'm actually planning a trip uh, in a couple weeks if it works out. If not, it'll be three. But I'm going to go up into the mountains. Um, hopefully, oh, the weather will still be relatively cool. I know during the day, the, the coat that I have for it now would be too much. That M90, I think, would be a little bit too heavy. Um but at night it might be pretty good so i'm going to take it up there and i'm also going to take and test out a bunch of my other stuff um i've gone up on the rim before and i've taken a couple of tents that i've had and those have worked out pretty good so i'm going to spend a weekend up there and i'll uh, hopefully get to do some youtube videos and some things like that and so when i come back from that i'll do a show on that and talk about kind of my experiences and then i'll also hopefully be able to put some stuff up on youtube so uh, let's see what else. Oh, uh, I think that's going to be about it. We didn't get too much in the way of uh, feedback for the show. So again, if you want to contact me, if you want to do a review, um, if you're not sure about some product that you want to review or, or some experience that you've had, email me first and say, hey, do you think this would fit with the show? But like I've said before, pretty much anything that you want to do. Uh, any type of review that you want to do, or even if it's just a story about, uh, you know, you were, you had had gone up out into the woods and kind of got caught with your pants down a little bit, and so you learned a valuable lesson, you know, from A, B, and C, from not having something or, or that type of thing. So, um, in fact, I think it was on one of my episodes of Firearms Cafe where I talked about, and I think it may have been show number five, so it was quite a while ago. But I talked about a trip that I had taken out into the desert 
and I'll just kind of sum it up long story short I didn't have enough water with me and I had gone out to a place to go where I would normally go shooting that normally you could drive to so I would be able to just drive up get out of the truck set up the targets and bang 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 start shooting but what had happened it was BLM land well I guess I'll just go ahead and tell the whole story again um, it was BLM land, and what they had done is they, every so often, what they do is they shut it down to uh, motorized traffic. And they do this to basically let the land kind of get a little bit of a rest and all that stuff. Pretty much what it's from is people are assholes, and they go out and they go off the trails and tear stuff up. And that's really why they do it. But they've shut it down, uh, I think this is about maybe the third year, um, and it may be shut down in motorized traffic for probably another year or so. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'd gone out there and it was summertime, but it was a real overcast day and I'd gone out pretty early thinking, well, I'll get here about, uh, you know, eight o'clock, I'll drive out, I'll shoot, um, you know, for maybe about an hour and then I'll just head back so that I would be gone and done probably by about nine, nine thirty at the latest. So even if it started to get hot, I would be out of there. And since I was in the truck, I thought, eh, I'll just take a couple of 16-ounce uh, water bottles with me. So I get out there, and lo and behold, they've uh, there's a sign that says no motorized traffic, and they've got it shut off. And I'm just like, well, should I go out there? Because the place where I was going to shoot was a couple of miles in. And I thought, well, do I really want to hump all my crap out there and go out and shoot? And then I thought, well, look, you've taken the time to drive out here. You might as well just go ahead and do it while you're here. Don't waste the time. So long story short, I just, I, I just I started hiking out there. And as I got out there, as I was walking, it was still overcast and it was relatively cool. So it wasn't a big deal. And then once I got out there and I started shooting, about maybe five minutes after I started shooting, man, the sun, all those clouds were burned off. The sun came out and it got really super hot and i had drank almost all the water i don't know if i drank the whole the whole one bottle just on the walk out there so i shot for a little bit and i thought gee whiz it's getting hot so i gathered up my brass and stuff and i um i started walking back and i I'm getting thirstier and thirstier, so I take a drink, and I've drunk about half my bottle, and I realize I've still probably got about a mile and a half to go. And unless you guys are from here, the the intensity of the heat is just is is crazy. Um, as I was walking back, I you know I just started getting feeling you know lightheaded and stuff like that, and um, now, the I was carrying my rifle in its case because it was new, and I didn't have a sling for it. And then I also had like a five-gallon bucket with you know some of my other stuff that I had brought out with me. And so I was trudging this stuff along and, and uh, pulling this stuff back. And it got to the point where I was getting so hot that what I would do is I would take a couple of sips of water, and about every 100 yards I would need to stop and take a rest. And, of course, out where I was, it's all pretty much flat uh kind of low flat desert so there's not a lot of trees there's some really kind of scrubby ones that are maybe about 10 feet tall or so but those are are pretty few and far between so what i ended up doing was i would start just walking toward one of those shade trees i'd get to the shade tree take a couple of sips of water 
and and then get um, uh, try and rest up a little bit. And by this time, it's about noon. So, I mean, it's like getting to be the hottest part of the day. And eventually, by doing that, I, I get I get back. But I was, like I said, I was getting kind of really lightheaded. Um, one of the things that, that when you're out there and you start to get hot, what your body wants to do sometimes is you get like the feeling that you're going to need to pee. Um, but I knew I didn't want to do that. Uh, I knew I wanted to kind of keep as much liquid in me as I could. So, and again, I've only got about maybe six ounces of water left. And, you know, when you're out there, you start, you, they talk about once you start getting to a certain point where you're getting really hot and you're looking at like heat exhaust, heat exhaustion, excuse me, or heat stroke sometimes is your brain starts giving you kind of these weird ideas. And one of the, the ideas that I had, and I look, I had, I had a little hat, like a boonie hat with me and some stuff. And I just had a t-shirt on and some shorts, which was again, a stupid way to dress. But I heard it. There was a little voice in my head saying, man, you should just take your shirt off and, you know, dump the water on your, over maybe on your shirt, soak it up and put it on. But, and normally maybe if it was about 90 degrees, I might've done that. But it was so hot out that I really wasn't sweating because it would, I, I would sort of sweat a little, but it would evaporate almost instantly right off of me. And I knew that if I took, and, and then kind of further in the back of my head is like, no, don't do that. You're going to waste your water. And if you do that, it's going to, in, in about five minutes, you'll be, it'll be totally bone dry again and you'll have just wasted the water. So long story short, I eventually get back to the truck throw the stuff in the back, get inside the truck. Um, and I don't even have any extra water in the truck. So I've, I've got nothing really in there. I'm probably a good, oh, 15 to 17 miles away from the closest, any type of like services or any, any type of store type thing where I could actually get something to drink, um, or any type of restaurant where I was at. So I get in the truck, I turn the AC on, and of course, the inside of the truck is boiling hot. Uh, but I get in there, turn the AC on, finally start to get kind of cooled down a little bit. But I'm still kind of feeling a little bit lightheaded. Um, and I and I kind of rest in there for a, maybe a good ten minutes or so. Get finally get to feeling actually a little bit cooled off. But I'm just I'm super super parched. So I head in, I stop in, and I uh, go into a uh, get back into town stop in at like the first circle k that i see go in and grab a uh, like a 32 ounce thing a gatorade and uh i didn't just chug it but you know I, I started off slow with it and drank it and drank pretty much the whole thing uh over about the period of about i don't know maybe 15 minutes or so because i didn't want to rush anything and and uh, dump a bunch of liquid in my stomach and then maybe puke it up um, but what that taught me was that i i uh I needed to be much better prepared. Now, here's the funny thing. Normally, whenever I would go out, even when I had the truck, I would take way more water than I could possibly drink. I would take usually, uh, I would take like a couple of 40-ounce bottles. I've got a couple of those stainless steel canteen things. I would At the time, I had a couple of Nalgene bottles that were 32-ounce that I would take with me. Um, and then normally I would also have even a couple of water bottles. So I would take a lot because I'm kind of paranoid about it. But I, it was just one of those things where you made a bad decision. 
But what that taught me was to, if, if I am going to go out, to always have some backup stuff and always have some options. Uh, so when I go out now, even again, if, I, if I'm thinking, well, if I'm just going to go out for the day, I need to make sure that I take enough water that would last me for a whole day. Because I tell you what, had in that story that I just told you, had I had uh, maybe that Nalgene bottle and um, maybe another one of my 40-ounce bottles, I would have been in a lot better shape because I could have properly hydrated myself. And I could have maybe even spared a little bit, you know, to uh, wet my hat down or wet my head down or, or take a uh, take my bandana out, roll it up, soak it, and then put that on and then jam my hat back down to where it would it would act like a little bit more of an evap cooler type thing. Uh, so again, you know, even if you're going out for the day, if if you think ah, it's not going to be that big a deal, uh, especially if you're out here in the desert country or you know, even in the you know out in the in the woods where you've got you know lakes and water and streams to to drink from, uh, make sure you take the stuff that you need, especially if you're going to do you know what's called car camping or truck camping. It doesn't cost you anything to keep that equipment in there. So like when I go out now. I take my, uh, I always got my camelback bladder with me, which is usually what I had taken before, but didn't do it on that trip. And that's 100 ounces of water. And you can sling that on your back and you don't feel, at least I don't, I don't feel it at all. Um, and had I even just had that, I would have been in so much better shape. Uh, so anyway, if anybody out there has any stories like that where you kind of learned a lesson, you know, maybe you got a little kind of like I did, you got a little kind of parched and, and uh, a little a little loopy a little bit there but you came out of it okay or maybe if you've got a few scrapes and bruises out of it either call in the voicemail uh, or send me an mp3 or send me an email and i'll go ahead and read it on the show uh, so again if you want to contact me uh, through the voicemail that number is area code 206-339-3266 and if you wanted to do an mp3 or just send in an email for me to read it's uh thearmedape at gmail.com it's time to whip out my pimp cane and beat some knowledge into your heads. So listen up, motherfuckers. All right, this is the part of the show where I like to talk about some of the podcasts that I've been listening to, uh, some of the other stuff that I think that you guys might get a kick out of, or or just something that I think is just a really good, um, a really good show, or that you can get something out of. So what I'm going to do is I've, I've got a promo from. Uh, Vince over at BMovieCast, so I'll go ahead and play that real quick. Do you enjoy movies like Carnival of Souls, The Mole People, Black Sunday, and The Tingler? Do you find yourself late at night reading magazines such as Film Max, Chiller Theater, or Monster Bash? Do you love vintage television programs like Sky King, Outer Limits, and The Time Tunnel? Do you find yourself surfing the net looking for the next monster movie festival or expo? Do you enjoy hearing anecdotes, cinematic details, and unusual insights into some of your favorite movies? If you answered yes to any of the above, you are encouraged to join your host, Vince Rotolo, as he examines some of the latest horror, sci-fi, and cult theatrical releases new DVDs to add to your collection, and, of course, the old classics, both good and bad. 
He even interviews people throughout B-Moviedom. So tune into B-MovieCast at bmoviecast.com. Resistance is futile. So as you guys know, I'm a big movie buff. I really like a lot of the B-movies and the oddball stuff like the sci-fi junk and all that kind of stuff. Um, and the guys over there at B Movie Cast, Vince and Nick, man, they do just such a great job. I really enjoy them. Uh, they also foster a sense of community. They re- they really welcome in um, listeners to to be a part of the show and to send in reviews and do things like that, or just uh, you know pretty much anything like that. So again, that's that's what I'm I'm really. Uh, one of the things that's really drawn me to that show. And plus, I just like I just think it's a real good show. Um, there was an, a recent podcast that I recently discovered, and it's been out for a little while, and it's called The Dark Hours. And it's done by a, ga- a guy, he goes by the name of Gray. But if you go over to iTunes and just type in The Dark Hours, uh, and again, he does mostly horror and stuff like that. So if, if that's something that you would like... Uh, and he 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 does a really good job. He's really pretty polished and everything. I was uh, I was very pleasantly surprised with his podcast and how good it was. Uh, let's see, what are some of the other ones? Um, if you like just kind of uh, maybe um, a little bit of, a little bit of kind of sci-fi and horror mixed in, there's an author called uh, named called named Scott Sigler, and he's got several uh, books. And what he does is he all his books and things, he podcasts them and gives them away for free, but he's also got them published. So, and I think he's with Crown, which is one of the bigger uh, publishing houses. So, um, what's nice about that is you can preview it, and then if you want to support him, you can go ahead and do that by buying the books and stuff like that. But he does give away all his stuff for free. And uh, let's see, there's um, one of the one of the podcasts that I really liked, and the guy had taken kind of a hiatus for a while. Uh, was a, a podcast by a guy named James, and he does the Dried Blood podcast. And again, he's the guy that it's, it's primarily horror and movies, um, but he's a big Hitchcock fan, and he's a he's a big fan of uh, a lot of the horror stuff, and even the the um, the swords and what do they used to call it swords uh, sword and sandals or sword and sorcery stuff that they used to kind of term it. So some of the stuff like the old Conan junk and things like that. So. Uh, again, you can go over and type in uh, the Dried Blood Pod. I think it's the Dried Blood Podcast, and he'll pop up over on iTunes, or you can Google him. Uh, other than that, I think I've covered some of the other stuff already. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any new ones that I'm leaving out, and I don't. I don't think so. I think that's about it. Um, and again, as you guys know, I have the other podcast, which is Firearms Cafe. I recently uh, dropped out show 38, I think it was, and talk a little bit on that show about some of the uh, pro-rights bills that we're getting, pro-rights Second Amendment bills and firearms bills that we're getting here in Arizona and some of the progress on that. So uh, if you want to hear about that, you can go ahead and scoot over there and download those. Of course, those are all free. I'm part of Gun Rights Radio, so there's tons of other stuff over there uh, that you can find um let's see what else i think that's about it i think i'm gonna wrap it up i'm starting to kind of ramble a little bit so uh hopefully i'll be able to get another show out this next weekend 
Um, not sure what I'm going to do on that one. Uh, we'll see kind of what maybe feedback. Hopefully we'll get some feedback from you guys. Maybe we can do kind of a lesson learned uh, show where we talk about things that we've learned um, you know, from some of the mistakes that we've made. Other than that, oh, um, and like I said, I do have that, that uh, Swedish parka. So if somebody's out there who's listening who maybe has some experience with that, or something that's similar, like some of the uh, uh, the Swiss parkas or the German stuff, um, just let me know, and uh, we can go ahead and play that on the next show as well. And then in a couple of weeks, I'm gonna do. We I may not get out a show a couple of weeks from now. That's when I'm gonna go camping on the weekend, I think. And uh, when I get back, though, I'll try and get a show out relatively soon after I get back and, and talk about some of the experiences, and I'll put some of the stuff up on YouTube. Um, let's see. Other than that, I think that is going to wrap it up. All right, my fellow monkeys, you guys stay safe out there. And I will talk to you next time. This guy's got a monkey scrotum and he's bragging about it. Oh,